show. Welcome to Your Thought Life. I am your host, Michael Anderson. Before we get started, I want to thank each of you for giving us a rating and a review on the platforms that support it. And also want to thank you for subscribing. Our viewership is going up each and every week. And I wish to thank each of you for your subscription to this podcast. Understanding why we procrastinate is the topic of today's episode. One of our viewers who is a regular listener, as I understand, asked that we do a follow-up to the podcast that my daughter and I did titled The Problem with I'll Do It Later. Today, what we desire to accomplish is to share with you two of the most prominent reasons why we procrastinate And if you know, like I know, our intent on this show is to understand root cause. And by understanding root cause, we're then able to understand why we behave the way we behave. And we're able to then take the necessary steps to alter that behavior to something that is desirable. Big idea here is procrastination is a protective response and a learned habit slash behavior. When you do a habit so many times that you don't have to think about it, that means it was subconsciously recorded. And at the point at which it is subconsciously recorded, you can now chalk that up as a behavior. So what's going on chemically when this takes place? Still a little quick review of science. The amygdala triggers the release of cortisol, which says to the body, go into one of three modes, fight, flight, or freeze. Cortisol is the stress hormone. Cortisol is responsible for this entire scenario that we frequently find playing out in our lives when we're in fight or flight mode. According to the National Library of Medicine, Stress impairs the executive function in the brain. Now, this is very significant because the executive functions of the brain include processing, planning, initiation, organization, problem solving, self-monitoring, and your ability to correct yourself. The studies showed that these functions when stress levels were high in the subjects was degraded significantly on order of 55 to 65 percent and that ranged from preschool age kids all the way through senior citizens and so we have to ask ourselves question knowing that 90 percent of doctor visits are the direct result of stress Where does this specific thing come from and why does it have such a profound impact on procrastination? We're going to dive right into our number one leading cause right after this short story. I had a manager who I've shared numerous times on this podcast who was very instrumental in my becoming very appreciative of science. He made science cool. He shared it with us in a way that made it easy to consume and learnable. During one of the many times we had together, he taught us or 
in this case me, probably us, but me, a system called the memory palace. And utilizing the memory palace, you can take a grouping of words, a grouping of tasks, and through this system, you are able to cite each of the elements in the list, forward, backward, out of order. I wanted to use it to do a speech or a presentation. And I remember studying, preparing myself for this big presentation. It was in front of a whole bunch of big wigs, several employers back. I, I thought I had it down cold. I went into the presentation, stood there at the podium. All of the eyes began to focus on me. I felt stress. I felt cortisol shoot through the roof, through the top of my head. I could feel myself clamming up. I could feel my heart rate increase to a point where it felt like my chest or my heart was going to come out of my chest. All of the studying that I had done, I felt like I'd done it for no good reason because I couldn't remember any of it. And this was supposed to be my big moment where I took this technique, put it into practice, and my thinking, my executive function was so cloudy that I could barely get words to form, at least in my mind. It was one of the worst performances in a presentation that I can recall. When, when we talk about our very first item of the two principal causes why this happened, the first one is procrastination is a protective response. And this is why cortisol gets turned way up like that. When you have an experience like the one that I just shared with you, and it moves you deeply emotionally your body checks in and it's like man we just went through something really really bad right it's not a saber-toothed tiger it's not a dinosaur trying to get me but it was rather a presentation that just went wrong because well we didn't have the level of self-confidence to stand before a group of that caliber and deliver a succinct message. Family, when cortisol kicks in at this level, it turns into a protective mechanism. When that much excitement, and that excitement in this case being negative, happens within us, all sorts of emotional signatures are written. That gets stored in long-term memory very easily because of the emotional quotient. That's the level of impact that was experienced during that scenario. The key takeaway here is when you are faced with something that you've had an issue with in time past, where you haven't had success consistently, or you've had a fair amount of failure, this cortisol system is going to kick in to try to protect you. That's number one. The second most documented reason for procrastination is that procrastination is a learned behavior through either family or environmental modeling or it's a self-taught habit. Remember how habits when done repetitively get written into the subconscious and once they are there written they become 
a part of your core. And as a result, you yield certain types of behavior once they get written. In this whole learned behavior model, I can recall as a child growing up the way I grew up in those most impressionable years, seeing older men in my family say, for instance, I'm going to go and look for a job tomorrow. Tomorrow would get here. My aunt would go, Harold, his name isn't Harold. I'm just protecting his real name. Harold, why haven't you gone to look for a job? He's like, oh, don't worry about it. I'm going to get to that tomorrow. Tomorrow became tomorrow. This week became next week. This month became next month. And you know the rest of the storyline. That's the type of learned behavior when you're in those most impressionable years. And even after, as you're going into adolescence, as you're going into young adulthood, if you see those things and they become norms, subconscious writes those in because you saw it as an impressionable youth or child. You saw it confirmed in your environment as an adult, and now it is a part of you. The other way is perhaps you've had a couple of scenarios where you were met with a significant challenge as a result of what are perceived to be a very hard task. You said, you know what? It's late in the day. I'm going to do this tomorrow when I'm fresh. Tomorrow arrives. There's a whole host of other things that were lobbying for your time. You didn't get an opportunity to do it. It's midday. And now you cite the same thing you cited yesterday. You know what? It's, it's midday. I need to be fresh to do this. This is a big task. I need, I need my best energy to pull this off. That family is the third way that we get into this scenario through learned behavior. It's either through family, through our environment, or it's self-taught. Now... Those are the core two reasons that psychologists say people procrastinate. They were kind enough to also give us some good measures that will help us correct this situation. Let me say this first. Procrastinators are not lazy, low-energy people. I'm a type C personality. I'm most certainly not a low-energy or lazy person. My key descriptor is thinker or analyst. I'm just going to be real 100 with you right now. There are some things that I come across that I don't necessarily want to do. And I have beat procrastination, but I still sometimes have the urge to put it off. But because of my mindset and the discipline that I have built up over the years practicing some of these techniques that I'm sharing, I have a lot of different ways to overcome the various challenges that I face with a specific task type. So don't think that procrastinators are necessarily lazy. I know some people who are uh, eight-figure people who procrastinate. So you're not going to be an eight-figure person being lazy and low energy, right? And the other thing is, be careful how you describe yourself. 
And the reason I say that is if you have a self-image and you've said my self-image is procrastinator or I am a procrastinator, you say that a couple of times because you're listening to everything you say about you and therefore your subconscious is listening as well. You say that a couple dozen times and guess what? Your subconscious is going to take that in and it knows very well what a procrastinator is and it's going to make you the worst or the best, depending on how you look at it, procrastinator that you've ever imagined. Please be careful about what you put after I am. Now, let's get into the six things that you can do. The very first one is specifically for procrastination as a result of a protective response. When your cortisol goes way up, what's happening is in your body, the blood is moving away from your organs and is moving to your extremities. Your brain is saying, we don't need brain power right now. We need energy to run or to fight. In order for you to get that back under control, when you get those cues, knock knees, clammy hands, a little bit of frog in your throat, dry mouth, elevated heart rate, when those things happen, I used, until I mastered it, a breathing technique. I would breathe in for five seconds, hold it for five seconds, and breathe out for five seconds. I would do that for two minutes. I'd find myself a place where I could do that in private. I've also got a smart watch, and I can turn on my watch to the uh, stress sensor, and I can literally see I could back then myself peak from absolutely bright red all the way back over to the left into the green section. Use that and once you get your wits about yourself, then you can begin to talk yourself through these next items. Number two, fear of failure and perfectionism. What you want to do is tell yourself that I don't feel failure. Failure is not final. I don't have to be perfect. What I'm getting ready to do does not call for perfectionism. And you just tell yourself if you know that those are part of your character set and could be propelling you into this protective response. You continue to tell yourself that for as many minutes as you need to. I promise you it will subside. Not entirely, but certainly down to a level where you can go execute what you have to do. Feel the fear and do it anyway. And then tell yourself as a result of this perfectionistic streak, if you have it, that I'm, I'm no longer being a perfectionist. I don't want to be that. I am not that any longer. What I have a need to do is complete this task. It doesn't have to be perfect which leads into number two, utilizing the 80-20 rule. If that becomes a very core of how you do some of the most important tasks you've outlined for yourself, you're going to say, if I can get to a B, that's sufficient. 
in any academic setting, that is a passing score. The 20% that I'm leaving on the table over time as I do this thing and commit hours to being excellent in this specific area or doing these types of tasks, uh, whatever the case may be, that number will slowly start to go down and I will start to add to the 80. Family, this reduces a great deal of stress. We suffer quite a bit as a result of being perfect and fearing failure. If we can literally let that go and adopt this 80-20 rule overnight, overnight, you will begin to feel a whole lot better. Life will become a great deal easier. Number four is self-confidence. Sometimes you're going to face scenarios that are uncomfortable and that's totally fine. But what you have to know is you are capable. You are enough. You have greatness in you. You're not going to be able to see or experience the fullness of your destiny if you stay in a safe place. Mediocrity is not for you. We desire to go above and beyond. And for us to do that, we have to get out of our comfort zone. Being confident in whatever circumstance we find ourselves in can be difficult, right? I'm not going to try to play that down. But at the same time, if we know from the previous principles that failure is not final, we no longer support the concept of perfectionism, we're utilizing the 80-20 rule, that gives us a great deal of momentum to adopt self-confidence, to hold fast to self-confidence so that we can achieve what it is we desire to achieve. Number five, break your big task down into manageable sections. If I have a year-long effort, that's one of my annual goals. Typically, it'll be in the short-term space. Then what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at that big one-year effort. I'm going to break it down into quarters, and I'm going to have what are called milestones for each of those quarters. Inside of each of those milestones, I'm going to break those down into some objective that I have to do each month. And family, you can see how I've taken this big elephant and chopped it up into small bite-sized pieces. If, if you will do this, life planning, financial planning, career planning, entrepreneurial endeavors, everything that you want to do becomes doable because now you don't have that overarching sensation that this is too much, it's too big, and I just don't see a way. You break it down into small pieces, then you can farm out to others who've been there and done that. Hey, how do you do this if you don't know how to do it? There's so much availability of information today. I can't imagine anything that you would want to do that someone hasn't already done and left a blueprint for you. And then finally, uh, number six, when you're, when you're doing work on a day-to-day -day basis, remove all distractions. If you can, turn off your cell phone, put it on silent, turn off desktop notifications, 
And another technique that I've adopted over the last three or four years now is the Pomodoro technique. What I do is I've got my task and I'm going to work for, I think the technique calls for 25 minutes. I do 20 minutes. I'm going to work hard, diligently for 20 minutes. And then I'm going to give myself a five-minute break, sometimes 10-minute break, check a couple emails, write a couple emails, hang out with or see what the team needs, whatever the case may be. And then I flip my timer over. I'm head down. I'm doing another 20 minutes. Outlook is closed. Teams is closed. All my Google stuff is closed. I'm concentrating on my work. This technique has allowed me to outperform myself year over year because it is so blasted and effective. I would highly encourage that you use this technique to help drive results on a day-to-day basis and help keep you focused. And as we're closing, I'd want to just remind you that the two dominant or the two core reasons why people procrastinate are that they are a protective response or learned behavior. We've given you six things that you can do to gain control over that cycle and master it. I know and have coached a number of people who have had this as their principal hurdle. We've given them these exact same corrective measures and they've had tremendous success. I'm hopeful that these work as well for you as they did for them. And that's going to conclude this episode. Thank you so much for your time and attention. We do ask that you share this with family and friends or anyone you know that may be struggling with procrastination. Tag me on IG at your thought life, Y-O-R, thought life, no spaces. And leave a comment or a suggestion. And as I always like to leave you, you are enough. You can do it. And you are uniquely equipped to realize your goals. Until next time.